This month, Streaming Things is brought to you by our super Patreon supporters, Chester Copperpot, Jade, Jillian Morgan, Aaron Layton, Andrew Gray, Casey McCain, Crystal Trujillo, Jen Robinson, John Collins, Kalisha Reeves, Kate, Kiki Newton, and Will Nash. Welcome back. My name is Chris. I'm Andy. And I'm Steve. And this is Streaming Things, a special episode where we have one of our patrons, Gabe, joining us. He is a member of the tier that allows him to be a guest on the show and pick a movie that we watch and talk about. He chose Whiplash from 2014, Best Picture Contender, winner of multiple Oscars, including Best Supporting Actor for J.K. Simmons as Fletcher, a film that all of us love and we're happy to revisit. And uh, yeah, I hope you guys enjoy listening to us and Gabe. (laughs) Gabe, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm really excited, nervous to be here, but (laughs) I uh, um, I'm really excited to talk about the movie. I'm, I'm thankful that I picked this one because I think there's a few semi intelligent things I can maybe say about it, but I'm interested <laughs> to see what you guys have to say more. So, yeah, we're, we're really grateful to uh, not only for your patronage, but uh, your, you know, your quasi friendship that we have. And so grateful that you're on the show. And I, for one, Steve can attest to this. Uh, super happy about the movie that you picked and when he texts me what he, what you chose i would yeah. something to the effect of fuck yes yeah we were all stoked about it i, I love the fuck out of this movie yeah too. this came out in what 2014 14. yeah yeah and andy andy and i were huge fans of it uh, at the time i don't think i knew steve yet you did not um but been obsessed with this movie a long time so i'm eager to to dive into it i know andy as a musician is going to have a lot to say jk uh, simmons man he's going places I'm yeah that guy he's got a bright future ahead um so yeah what, here's what we're going to do as always we do uh overall thoughts kind of our relationship with the film prior to this viewing uh and what we think about it in general gabe we'll start with you and why you chose whiplash from 2014 so i'm glad i chose whiplash but my initial knee-jerk reaction was to pick a different movie which would have been terrible it wouldn't have made good content but uh um it's the worst movie i'd ever seen in my entire life so i'm glad i didn't pick that one i picked a movie that <laughs> i could actually say um some things about what, what, what but was uh, yeah what was, I, what was that a movie you initially pitched us oh okay all right so it is it's called 100 million bc not to be confused with 10,000 bc also not a great movie actually, <laughs> no not a very good movie, but that, that movie was light years ahead of 100 million BC. 100 million BC was produced by the same people that produced like the Sharknado movies, which oh, okay. I so it's kind of intentionally out. bad. Exactly. So, so I, I didn't know that when I first watched it, <laughs> it's on YouTube. If someone wants to like waste 90 minutes, go watch it. But uh, um, no, for, for whiplash, I, I first watched it in 2014 or when it came out 2014 at uh, the university of Wisconsin. I was a, a junior at the time and um, I like Andy, I really involved with music and I have a lot of mutual friends that are involved with music. And I, someone convinced me to come and watch it at a uh, uh, free night at, uh, there's a un, uh, movie theater called union South in, in Madison. And, uh, I went and watched it there and it was the most stressful mu- movie about music that I've ever watched. <laughs> so, but I loved it. It was, it was great. I, uh, I, I felt like the, the, the more I had time to think about it too, the more the message of that movie kind of changed for me as well. I, I think that there's a lot of different layer, layers to peel back 
Yeah, when Chris and I uh, talked about the movie way back when, uh, we both had wildly different takes on the ending. And mm. I feel like mine has changed a little bit since then. So I'll be interested when we get to that to see uh, how we feel now. Mine as well. I haven't seen it in some years and uh, my I'm almost certainly have changed, but I don't even remember what I used to think about it. Mm-hmm. But I have, I have I have thoughts now. Uh, so, Andy, what mm-hmm. is your relationship with this film? Well, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I flatter myself as a little bit of a musician, you know, but I I, uh, ha- I, I identified mostly with this movie, not just out of the musicianship of it, because I, I don't give a shit about jazz. Like jazz is fine, but mm-hmm. it's not my cup of tea. Jazz um, actually stresses me. I have anxiety issues. I swear <laughs> to God, I tried to listen yeah. to it recently. Like this is supposed to be intellectual and calming. And because of the uh, improvisational nature of it, mm-hmm. like I, my pulse was racing. I, I hate this, you know, <laughs> uh, just a little medical thing. But anyway, go there, ahead. there's some jazz that I'm into, but I, I, it's not my go to. But I identified more with the movie because of uh, just the obsession with uh, achieving goals. And I, I thought that it was uh, something something beautiful uh, to see to to see like the struggle and not not just the struggle but like the the sacrifice that somebody makes in order to try to achieve the goal and where do you draw the line of it, it, am i sacrificing too much is the greatness worth it it's you know like where 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 do you stop where where is greatness not worth the sacrifice anymore i guess sure gabe do you have something you want to say about jazz well, well, no, I get a little bit. I, I've played jazz ever since uh, eighth grade Well, and then stopped after high school. But I, I appreciate it. And I find it interesting. You said the improv stresses you out when you're like improving right now. You know, it's just a different language, a different way to to express yourself, you know. And um, uh, but it's funny you say that because, yeah, uh, soloing in jazz is one of the most stressful things I've ever experienced. And I hate it. <laughs> so for me, I never liked the solo part either because I felt like all eyes were on me. But that's yeah. what I tell everyone when they're like, you run a podcast and like podcasting is jazz, baby. It's <laughs> right. jazz, you know? <laughs> and he scats his way out of the door no matter where he's at. It's weird. It's a weird thing. He does a tick. Steve, what are your what's your relationship with with Whiplash? So when this movie came out, I was just starting my college career and um all throughout college, like all four years of my college career, I had very limited time to go see movies. It's kind of like now, but, um, so like I, I did not see this movie when it came out. In fact, I did not see it until 2017. So it had been out for three years and people were like, Oh, it's so amazing. You got to go see it. Whiplash is so good. Mm. Uh, my last year of college, I was fortunate enough to win a couple awards and the school sent me to Las Vegas to accept the awards. And on the plane ride back from Las Vegas, you watched it on a plane. I watched mm. it on a plane. Not, not only what it wasn't one of the, the seats, like, you know, how the seats and planes have the screens, some of them and, yeah. you, and you touch them and you no, it was just on my laptop that I had with me. That was probably better. And it would have been an edited version. The plane I was on, the seat was above the wheel of the plane. So I was like scrunched in. Cause like my feet uh. couldn't actually touch the floor. Cause the wheel well the landing like, gear yeah and so i'm like huddled up the plane's kind of small so the curvature of the plane is making me my head off <laughs> were you in a of, crop duster <laughs> basically it was the tiniest passenger the school played ever been in. paid yeah. yeah they did pay it was nku they didn't have all the money to like well what you gotta go to vegas Fuck so you. you're in the ca- a cargo it's i'm not in a cargo. big deal yeah there's like chickens and shit in cages next to me Look <laughs> <laughs> your red nargiles there sorry <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i'm watching this uh for the first time in a plane and i remember just this movie just made all the uncomfort like i did not think about the uncomfort the uncomfort 
the comfort, discomfort, discomfort. the discomfort. Thank you. Words. I like yours. <laughs> I could not think of the discomfort that the plane was giving me because I was so engaged and enwrapped in the discomfort that this movie was giving me. And that is when the plane landed. I was like, God, that was a really fucking good movie. Right. It made that whole awful plane ride so much worth it. And then I went home the next day and watched it again in the comfort of a couch uh, and just was like, yep. This movie, this movie's gold. And so I was so happy when Gabe suggested watching it for this episode so I could revisit it because it's been a, it's been a minute since I've seen it. Yes, last for movie, sure. Last movie I watched on a plane was Father of the Year with David Spade. And it just made the plane ride so much more uncomfortable. It's just <laughs> like, this sucks like, the entire time. Yeah, I find downloading TV shows to be the best plane viewing. Like Netflix lets you use mm-hmm. that offline feature and HBO Max does as well. So last time I went to Hawaii, I did a bunch of that. So, Did you guys know that this was actually released as a 14 minute short in the year previous? Yes, yes, did know that. Did and you have a chance to ever see that short, that 13, 14 minute short? I have, yeah. And uh, J.K. Simmons is basically uh, well they they hired jk simmons to to play the same part and they had a different actor i can't remember his name but um a different actor played neiman and they essentially just mm-hmm. did the scene where it was neiman's first rehearsal with the schaefer uh not band. my tempo yeah the not my yes. tempo and are you a single tier like that whole sequence and that mm-hmm. just was yep. the short and i love it yeah. I, I think it's incredible it's it reminds me a little bit of like the uh saul short film have you seen that? Yeah, it, it, yeah, you know, it saw like like S A W like saw uh-huh. one two three. Yep, the, the, the original saw was also those, a short. I film. have not seen those movies in quite a long time, actually. So <laughs> no, I did not know that that was a short. So is that was that to try and get funding for the saw movies? Because that's kind of how you know Damon Chazelle originally was trying to get La La Land, you know, or, um, support for La La Land, and he ended up producing Whiplash instead. That short got so much support that he produced the full film. The next year and uh i just I, I found it fascinating that that's kind of how he got his well at least from what i can see kind of maybe how he got his start to do all these different things yeah so, absolutely um, so it was uh exactly the same situation james wan with saw and then damien chancel with whiplash it was absolutely a, a concept short film that was like hey here's here's a scene here's a concept it, give me funding and I can finish it. I think that Damien Chazelle actually at the time when he got the funding for Whiplash, he was about to uh, start directing. He was going to do 10 Cloverfield Lane, which he co-wrote. Um, and yes. uh, he backed out of that to do Whiplash when he got the funding for it because the short film did so well. Yeah. And it's it, it really interesting that he also uh, Tom Cross, who I believe won best editor in 2014 for Whiplash, um, you know, he was brought along then to edit La La Land, which oh, there was actually some, some shots in La La Land and in Whiplash that I noticed were kind of similar. Um, um, you know, some of those panning shots where in La La Land where the camera's switching to uh, uh, um, uh, Ryan Gosling playing piano and then it. Yeah, the whip pans. pans. Um, you know, yeah. And and there were some of those in, in Whiplash as well. So you could kind of see, I feel like some of uh, Tom Cross's, uh, you know, bringing some of that style from from whiplash into la la land of course you know i think both movies being about music kind of lend itself to having similar maybe editing styles i, I guess steve would probably be uh better to ask or ask <laughs> me, right but uh um yeah the editing of this movie is off the charts well they use a lot of the same crew in general like mm-hmm. you know justin Hurwitz does the music and produces all of damien chazelle's uh movies uh, at least first man la la land and whiplash for sure um and damien chazelle has a new movie finally this year uh, babylon right 
Oh, I believe shit. that comes out this year. So oh, good time to be talking about this. And, and whiplash has kind of grown in the culture as you know, art is wont to do. And that's why, not why, but it's, and it's, it's an interesting feature. Like you don't, I still have an element of the rebellious teen in me, like that liked obscure music. And when, you know, you don't, you don't know, uh, <laughs> you don't know what the darkness you're wearing is. that shirt name, three songs. Like I was one of those douchebags. Right. <laughs> and so nowadays whiplash has reached a point where it's kind of a film bro movie. Right. And I'm, I'm, I'm immersed in like TikTok film culture. I love it. But this is one of those 20 films that gets talked about incessantly as the peak of film. Um, and to the point where like, I don't want to bring it up on my platform you know, just, it's just a yeah. dumb knee jerk reaction, but I'm like, Oh, I don't want to look like I'm 17 and just discovered movies. Like, and, and <laughs> there's nothing wrong with those kids either. Like it just, I'm an asshole, you know? So, but I was watching it again today. Like this is fucking good. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is one of the best movies ever. <laughs> this is fucking good. Uh, but I, I want to ask a broad question to each of you before we get into the play by play. Um, and Andy kind of touched upon it. The ending of this film is somewhat ambiguous. Uh, and for, you know, everybody that's listening to this and all of us have seen the film. And so, you know, that the, the central plot is that uh, J.K. Simmons's character, uh, Terrence Fletcher, Fletcher. is uh, a very draconian instructor. And he does it in a calculated way because he believes only the best of the best of the best. The geniuses will withstand his torture essentially that it'll actually bring out true genius out of a, a worthy student. So he does it not out of malice in his mind, but he's literally doing it on purpose. Um, it's not like he's even actually angry. He's just like, this is what greatness is born from. Mm -hmm. And uh, Neiman miles tellers character Unfortunately for what the movie's supposed statement is probably that this is bad because his previous student committed suicide mm -hmm. um, actually responds to this and achieves what some would call greatness. Right. Like the ending of this film seems to say that those two have a mutual understanding that they're very happy and he creates this beautiful mesmerizing drum solo. You can even see some of the other professional musicians in the background. Something I noticed this time, like boogieing and nodding like, Oh shit. You know what I mean? Uh, and so it seems to, it, I think it's up to the viewer. Like, do you think that Fletcher's method is, is warranted do you think genius does have to come from this kind of place? Because there's been a lot of pushback in recent years about like, you don't have to be a drug addict and like live miserably to create good things. Like that's an old myth, like quit being toxic, blah, blah, you know? So mm -hmm. I kind of see both of that in this and I'm curious where you guys landed. We'll start with Gabe and we'll just go around. Gabe, what do you think? Yeah. Um, so that's, I feel like the big debate on this movie is what is your interpretation of the ending? And like you guys mentioned earlier, I, similarly with me, my, my interpretation of that, this, this ending has, has evolved over time. And initially I was like, wow, that's great. He achieved his dream. And, you know, despite the adversity he faced, you know, he, he was able to, you know, prove to Fletcher that he is the drummer that he knows he's capable of being right. You know, and I feel like that's a very surface level. That's, that was my knee jerk reaction. The first time I watched that movie, uh, going back and, and watching it, several times, uh, I, I, you start to pick up and really fo focus more on you know, a pattern of abuse. And, and, and I think that uh, really Fletcher's abuse of Neiman or Andrew and Andrew going back every time because I, I feel like Andrew knows 
all he knows is jazz and and Fletcher is his ticket to achieve what he desperately wants. You know, you look at at uh, um, some great athletes, you know, like Kobe Bryant and, and Michael Jordan. And so and if you've ever listened to any documentaries on, on those guys, they, they talk about their work ethic being second to none, like nobody else could hold a candle to or a light to to what those guys could do. And uh, it, it's I think of kind of in the same vein as that in some ways where like, uh, Fletcher was trying to pull out greatness, but only the people that are able to endure that great amount of abuse are able to actually achieve it. Um, people like me <laughs> would falter. You know, I, I had one mean baseball coach in third grade and I stopped, you know, dedicating myself to baseball. So, you know, I, I, I think that um, ultimately my interpretation of it is uh, it's kind of sad in a way. But then I also have a hard time because you, as you watch the movie, you look throughout Fletcher or uh, Neiman, Andrew Neiman is obviously very motivated. He wants to be a famous drummer. He wants to be known for his drumming. And uh, even though he is very driven without Fletcher in the equation. So every time uh, uh, Andrew gets uh, you know, a little bit of positive reinforcement from Fletcher, you can see that positivity uh, infect other aspects of his life. You know, he, he, it's almost like once Fletcher, um, when they first meet in the beginning of the movie and, and Fletcher just walks out afterwards, that motivates my, uh, 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 Andrew to, to go and practice double time swing a bit more. And you see this throughout the movie as Fletcher gives him a little bit of praise, but then all of a sudden takes it away. And then that sends, uh, Andrew into this, this vicious cycle of practicing. So, you know, it, it's almost like, is Andrew the perfect student f- to, to handle this sort of abuse? Would Andrew have ever practiced that much to achieve that greatness at the end of the movie if it weren't for Fletcher's, uh, abuse? Well, it, it's hard to say. Um, so yeah, it, it, I have a difficult way to, uh, a diff- I have difficulty, uh, figuring out how I feel about the end of the movie. It makes me feel uneasy. You know, I feel bad. I, and really, it pains me uh, seeing his dad, you know, him walking back at the end and, and seeing the pain in his dad's eyes, seeing the, you know, the abuse his son is enduring. So, yeah, it's it's a very complicated movie. And this is the thing that I'm actually most interested to hear your guys's thoughts on. Andy, you said that your opinion had changed over the years. And I'm also mm-hmm. curious if you recall what mine was. Uh, but where are you sitting now? So, um Back back in 2014, when I first saw it, I uh, I looked at it as a success at the end. I thought that he had found some kind of balance between the abuse that he had endured and achieved some kind of mutual respect between himself and uh, Fletcher. And maybe that's true. Um, but uh, at the time when I was watching it, I thought that he, he had sort of balanced it out, but had also achieved or had begun to achieve the greatness that he had so craved. And uh, the way that I looked at it then, and I can still understand the perspective of it, is I looked at it as that was his goal and he got there. Um, and so happy ending, right? Uh, I don't look at it that way anymore. And the, uh, so I've come around more to what you thought at the time, which was, no, he has given in to and accepted his lot as um, the abusee. And uh, that's just who he's going to be. And the greatness that he's achieving is a, um, you know, secondary aspect to that. And it's not worth the, uh, the abuse that he is going through and the sacrifices that he's made in his life uh, in order to get to where he's going. And that's basically where I'm at with it now. And the uh, aspects of it that I had kind of 
like I, I recognized them when I saw them the first time, but I, I, I don't think they hit home quite as much to me. I, I've, my life has changed a lot in the last like two years. You know, I lost my mom. I'm in a committed relationship. I just lost my dog. Um, you know, my family life has changed a lot. Now I have a house and a career path and all this stuff. And so my outlook on life and my drive towards like these creative endeavors that I've been pursuing my entire life have changed a lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I focus more on the comfort of my, my home life and um, the uh, just living the best life I can being comfortable with where I'm at. And so when I see, uh, when I see the, um, the look on uh, his dad's face, when he backs away to go back out on stage and yeah, um, it's like through the crack in the door, through the crack in the door. Well, and like his dad sees, and you can kind of see it in his face. Like, Oh my God, he really is incredible. Yeah. But the more important thing that you should be recognizing out of that is that I really truly just lost my son. Like he, he had throughout the entire movie been trying to be like, look, you can't let him abuse you like that. You think I would let this guy do this to my son? Yada, yada. No, he still wants like the movies with, with dad, you know, mm-hmm. popcorn and raisinets and stuff and giving that up to, for any kind of greatness just isn't worth it. And so I, uh, I, I absolutely turn 180 on the movie. I don't think that's a success at all. I think it's uh, a, a greatness that, you know, people are going to enjoy it in the elevator and then move on with their lives. And the sacrifices that he made to get there are, are not remotely worth it. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I, I, I completely 180 on how I feel about the end. Sure. How about you? Well, let's, let's chuck it to Steve. I'll go last. Steve, where are you at on this? Well, I, I, I think the the movie it depends on like what is your what is your engagement of success. There's a there's a there's a scene in the middle of the movie where Miles Miles Teller goes back <laughs> goes back home and he's having that family dinner with his dad and then his uh, I think uncle and cousins I think is yeah I got it I got that impression and there is this conversation happening on, on in that scene where it's like what is success what does that mean and you know uh, Neiman is very much kind of going like no he's he's I want to be the very, very best that ever lived. I want to be one of the greatest. And Paul Reiser says something to the effect of like, well, success doesn't necessarily mean you have to be dead and at 34 because of drugs and everything. Mm-hmm. And Miles is like, I, I I would rather be dead at 34 than live to be 90 and comfortable, you know? And rich, he even said. And rich, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I have like, nobody whoa, whoa, whoa. remember my name. Right. Essentially. And so when you go to that scene, did he succeed in evolving into this greater version of himself. Yes, he technically did because even in the editing, they show like the music drops and the, and the lighting kind of focuses on him. It gets slow motion for a little bit and there's like no sound. It's almost like he's transcending into his final form. And, and then when it, when the music comes back out, it's when he starts going fucking nuts on the drum solo and everything. And, and just that the, the, the way they shoot uh, JK Simmons in that scene, he looks like he very much looks like, just this malevolent evil force, almost as if he's done a deal with the devil and JK Simmons is the devil in the scene. Cause he's like looking at him like, yeah, yeah, Give it to me. play, play that fiddle, go down to Georgia and <laughs> play that violin for me, daddy. And so when you, when it cuts back to, I love that shot of them cutting back to Paul Reiser. Cause like you said, Andy, it's literally like him realizing, Oh shit, I have lost my son. My son is going down this path of, dying for his art essentially and as someone i know we're all creatives here in some way shape or form so we all have this you know 
I remember being like, I, I, I personally have made a lot of sacrifices in my life to kind of get to where I am creatively and, and for my profession. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of like family dinners and hangs out, hang out with hangouts with friends that I haven't been able to go to because I was like, I need to do this so that I can succeed in the thing that I want to do. Yes. And it is a balancing act. Like you can throw your entire life into your art and be super successful, but you have to be okay with the consequences of, of not having what, uh, I would argue what many would argue is actually more important to your daily life. Like, yeah, Mm -hmm. you might be remembered as this great musician, but what does that matter? Like someone listens to a song and says like, oh man, that's really fucking good. Let me go back up about my day and not really think of that anymore. Like all those people in the audience that he's playing for literally going to leave that concert and say, wow, that drummer was pretty good. You guys want to go to Applebee's? Yeah. (laughs) 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 But, but, but so yeah. And and I think that's why I like the ending of this movie because the bad guy wins the the main character technically wins. He achieves the goal that he wanted to achieve, but it's one of those things where it's like it's very sad. It's still like, kind of tragic. That wasn't really. You shouldn't be focusing on that. That's not a. That's not a goal you should have. Um, Chris, are you any different? I, I think I agree with with all of you and my old self for the most part. I think it's 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 really just a matter of perspective and what you want out of life. And you know, for most of my life, I idolized the people that were dead by their early thirties and didn't even really think of that aspect of their lives. I just like, wow, they're so, cause I wanted to be a musician as well. Andy and I played together for most of our adolescence and, uh, and then I wanted to be a writer. And so I was an addict and all that stuff, but I didn't even think I was an addict. I just thought I'm an artist. <laughs> this is what we do. We use substances to stay up all night so we can play, you know, duh. And, um, that kind of developed pretty quickly into me not, you know, pawning my instruments and stuff, but <laughs> Uh, so watching this movie, I could identify a lot with the protagonist in a way that made me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, especially cause I still, even at 34, I have two kids, I have a decent job and you know, I love my life, but even at this age, uh, that scene with the family dinner, like I can identify with Neiman a lot, you know, just the kind of like the Almost. And I don't know. That's what's kind of weird about the movie, because it's trying to kind of get you against Fletcher. Right. Like he's an abuser. But is it because he kind of makes the family members a little. uh, What's the word? Smarmy. They're they're pretty like self-obsessed. And yeah, as a nerd who grew up with brothers who were football players, like I've lived that scene so much in my personal life. It's like, oh, Billy got first in state. It's like, yeah, you're third division. Who gives a shit? Yeah, Third string (laughs) or not third string, but uh, division three. Yeah. Come play with us. That's four words. The NFL will never say Oh, such a good line. (laughs) Such a good line. And so it's weird to me that I think the movie doesn't do a good job if it's trying to. And I don't think Damien is of trying to make like that look like a good life either. Now, Paul Reiser's character looks like he's having a blast and he's a mm-hmm. good person. He's just enjoying those raisinets and his popcorn going to movies. <laughs> yeah. But if I'm being honest, even as I sit here right now, I do think achieving something, especially in an artistic realm, does, like you said, Steve, it does take a good deal of sacrifice, a good deal of prioritizing. It will not happen if you don't. Um, and so it's just kind of like a choice that you make. Mm-hmm. Uh, but where I would think the movie comes in pretty hard is you don't have the right to inflict that around other people on other people. Right. And like, mm-hmm. he's like outright, uh, awful to Nicole, right? Like mm-hmm. you're kind of a loser. I don't think we should date because you know, I'm just going to be drumming all the time and you're going to be trying to get me to stop and I'm not gonna. So what's the point right now? <laughs> you know, like, yeah, what, I'm a, you. what a douchebag thing to yeah. say. Like she may have supported him wholeheartedly in his endeavor. Like my wife does, like I'm podcasting for nine hours today. And she said, bye honey. I love you. Have a good day. Go crush it. You know, like yeah. she might've been that for him, but he's like an asshole. So he'll never know. 
Um, and if you notice Fletcher, uh, there's a, a scene in the movie too, where he, he has like a niece or something and he's, he's really sweet to her and Hey, you're going to be in my band someday. And it, I think the movie's trying to say like, he's not even like this. He's just doing this on purpose to try to manufacture a genius. I think he's mm-hmm. actually kind of a decent guy outside of this. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah, I'm getting off topic, but, uh, so I guess I'm torn is what I'm saying. Like there's a, there's a speech that Fletcher gives that, and the casting of JK Simmons is genius because maybe a potential outing myself as a red flag, but a lot of the way he acts is almost funny because it's JK Simmons. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and he's, he's charismatic. At and he, any point he's going to ask for photos of Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> and so he gives this speech about the, you know, jazz musician, Charlie Parker, would never have become bird if Joe didn't throw a symbol at his head. Right. If he had told him, Hey man, good job. Decent. He would have went home feeling pretty good about himself and the world would have been deprived of this. Right now on the surface, it's like bullshit, but like, I'm like, I think he might have a point and that's scary. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, Oh, gross, mm-hmm. gross. Yeah. He, um, he does in, in a way like just like that. If, if you, when he first, when he first met uh, uh, Neiman, walking in if you would have said show me your rudimentaries good job great thanks and he left well when neiman would have gone that night to the movie with his dad and he asked how it went he was like, oh it went great he said you know he gave me a praise and you know i think i'm i think i'm doing well yeah they would have had a few beers instead. and celebrated and went to bed instead of practicing right yes he wouldn't have practiced so i mean and and to the point about the dinner i feel like they try and show how alone and isolated he feels at every point in this movie. You know, uh, even the first shot, the first shot of the movie is down this long, dark corridor where he's drumming and it's kind of ominous looking. It almost looks like the start of a horror movie to me in in a way and just shows how alone he is. Um, So yeah, it's, I I think that that's a a really good point, Chris. (laughs) Awesome. Well, let's dive in. We've kind of, you know, uh, spoiled some beans for the rest of the talk and we'll, we'll get through it uh, pretty quickly now, but we'll go play by play. Um, but like you said, the movie, the, the film opens up, as I recall from this morning with him uh, drumming away down that kind of almost horror, horror movie shot. Mm-hmm. Right. And he's jamming. Is this when when Fletcher first accosts him in there and tries to see what he's, what he's about? Mm-hmm. Um he said, you know who I am, right? You're right. Why'd you stop? And so he starts playing again. God, he I said, love this. I didn't, yeah. did I ask you to start playing again? I asked you why you stop. And your idea of an answer was to start playing. Right. <laughs> like then, wind up monkey. Yeah. Right. Like a wind right. up. Yeah. He's God, he's got some zingers. Um, yeah. And go, take it away, Steve. I'll just hop in or Andy. Uh, so anyway, uh, Neiman starts to play. He says, show me your uh, rudiments. Is that what he calls them? And then yes, so he starts playing away and he he's getting into the jamming. Padiddles, your padaddles. Yeah, he padiddling, padaddling. And then all of a sudden the door slams and he's like, oh, fuck, he left. And then we get that awesome scene where he comes back. He says, whoopsie and forgot my jacket and then leaves again. Um, <laughs> and so then we cut to uh, he's. Uh, we, we see the family life uh, that uh, Neiman goes to the movies with his dad. And uh, and by the way, Andy and I, that is our move. <laughs> we get not not to act not- like one of us is the father, but <laughs> we, we throw <laughs> we throw a box of raisinets in our popcorn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's either raisinets or Reese's Pieces, but we we always dump that in the popcorn. And then uh, and the, I don't know if there's any symbolism to it, but uh, I think uh, there Paul, is what you're about to say. Paul, yeah. So Paul Reiser is asking about it and he pours the raisinets in and then Neiman eats around it and he says, I don't I don't like the raisinets. I eat around them. And he's like, well, why didn't you just say something? Or so I, I don't know if there's any symbolism. To I think that. I think it's very much on purpose. It's like. Uh, like he's just this austere Spartan 
type guy. Like that's chocolate. It's sweet. It's good. I don't need that. I need to stay strict. I got a, a fucking goal. I'm not taking my eye off the prize. I don't need raisinets. They're too fucking delicious. They're going to slow me down. You know what I mean? <laughs> like that's just how he is as a person. Um, and Paul Reiser's dad actually, or sorry, Paul Reiser, uh, uh, Dr. Owens, jeez, not Dr. Owens, Dr. Owens is in the media. <laughs> he actually says, I don't understand you. He, is, he says the words, I don't understand you at the end of that scene. And I feel like that's the, right there. The division between Newman yeah. and his family. His mm-hmm. dad doesn't understand him. He's already isolated, you know, and I, I and the, the, every time I watch this movie, I swear I pick up on another line or phrase that shows how he feels like he's totally alone. Yeah, it's great. Great pull. Great pull. So um, then we cut to uh, we're at the Schaefer Music Conservatory um, fall semester and uh, we see um, uh, Neiman at band practice, but he's not in like the Fletcher band yet. He's just studio in, band. Like, yeah, he, he's in the regular studio band. And so um, they they're sitting there and they're practicing and Fletcher shows up and he basically just like he is the elephant in the room. He walks in and the other the other teacher who at this point is like kind of charming. He's like, good morning, class. Good morning, class. You know, yeah. like you, you like the guy right away. He just gets up and walks away without a word when Fletcher comes in. He's just like, may I? And then he just kind of goes down the line. He says, hey, you play this part you play this part and everybody kind of sucks and then um what in his estimation we, i right. have no idea what's going on right yeah yeah <laughs> yeah someone who's not a musician every single person that plays i'm like they're pretty good yeah for real I'll make them first chair any day and i think that that's kind of important that we look at it this way yeah. because the average person is not it, it's there's no difference you well, know it reminds like, me a lot greatness. of greatness good goodwill hunting uh, that line where Stellan Skarsgård says, uh, there's only like five people in the world that can tell the difference between me and him. One of them is Cassinander. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But I like the way that right off the bat, the way that they, uh, this is fucking, this is a good movie. <laughs> they show like the silhouette of J.K. Of Fletcher outside the door. And it's got one of those like, uh, you know, school frosted panes Glasses, on the, yeah. on the door. And it's like, it gives him this mythic quality because they're all like, Ooh, he's there. He's listening. He's like a ghost in this school. And when he walks in, the other teacher is subservient to him just by nature of like the way he carries himself. Like he, he clearly doesn't like him in my opinion, the way that he looks at him and then stands up, kind of rolls his eyes. Uh, but he can't do anything about it. You know what I mean? And I just, I, all of that in the uh, 38 seconds or so of, of scene just tells you everything you need to know about Fletcher and his standing at the school. So that was really cool. So uh, when uh, Fletcher's having them all like do this little two second audition, uh, he says, drummer, you're with me. And then uh, the uh, I, I think it's the guy that gets Connolly. Yeah. Connolly. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. He thinks it's him. And he like stands up, starts standing, starts to stand up. And he says, no, 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 other drummer. And so Neiman is like, oh, shit, I'm getting called up to the big leagues. Just got that up. little shit eating grin on his mm-hmm. face. Yeah. Well, he tells him to meet him at the hall at 6 a.m. the next day. And then he sits down and he's really self-satisfied. And I guess he's like second chair. I didn't know drummers had that, but essentially even in this lower band, he's basically second chair, right? Uh, yeah. Like the yeah, alternate yeah. or whatever. So, so it's uh, a huge promotion for him. Pages. Yeah. He's yeah. not uh core. Is that what he keeps calling it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And so this is something that uh, you were talking about. Uh, like when he gets, uh, any kind of like satisfaction from um, from Fletcher, then you see it reflected in his life. So immediately right. after this, we get Neiman going back to the movie theater to ask out the concession girl. Uh, he, he goes yes. and uh, talks to Nicole and says, hey, 
would you want to go out with me sometime? And I love you need her. to leave. How do you pronounce her name? Melissa? Is it Benoit or Benoist? I think it's Benoist. It, it, it's not what it looks like to me reading like French. Uh, I think sure. it's like Benoist. Uh, but that's Supergirl from, yeah, yes. from the CW. Yep. Nicole. <gasps> Yep, Nicole. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I love her. Um, so she was also in the Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Yeah, yeah, because Kevin Smith directed a couple episodes of Supergirl. Oh, that's right. And so he like became friends with her, and so started bringing her. Melissa, around. huge favor <laughs> for real. <laughs> I don't want to be in your movie. You need to leave. You need to leave. <laughs> <laughs> and it's cool how she says something in this scene. I think no, maybe it's not this scene, but at some point she tells him. Um, you were always looking at the ground. I think it's on their actual date. That's on the actual date. Mm -hmm. And I just think that's a, an important thing about his character. What Gabe keeps mentioning him being so alone, right? Mm -hmm. Like he just, he's not good at connecting with people in general, but this gives him the confidence to ask, ask the lady out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Oh, so then we cut to uh, Neiman oversleeping. Um, he, Fletcher had told him that he needed to be there at 6 a.m. sharp. Don't be late. He shows up at like 6.05 and it's like, oh, shit, he's going to be late. He's going to be late. And then he finds out practice actually isn't until nine. Um, and right. so he, he just sits around. For he's three. almost falling asleep on the stool when they show up. <laughs> right. Um, and so uh, this is, I believe, the start of the short film that we were talking about. So, uh, yes. the first practice for Neiman, uh, he comes in, uh, Fletcher shows up and they start, uh, playing a song at the, and I think it might be whiplash. And very quickly he realizes that there's an out of tune player. Uh, and the, I, I love this, this whole so much. So good. So good. He picks on, uh, what does he call him that I can actually say? Cause a lot of JK Simmons lines, we shall not repeat here. It's like the black speech of Mordor. Uh, this, isn't your, this isn't your boyfriend's dick. Elmer don't come Fudd. early. <laughs> this isn't your boyfriend's dick. Don't come early. Oh God. He's not allowed anywhere near anyone. Actually no people in general. Uh, he calls him Elmer Fudd. It, You're right. Yeah. The funniest yeah, part enough of, in the short, huh? Oh, I'm so sorry for interrupting. They, no, they, they no. liked him. That, that same actor was in the short as well, actually. Oh, Elmer Fudd was? Yeah, the, the, the trombone player that cried and walked off. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, that's and, awesome. And he's just fucking with him. He's like, are you out of tune? And he's like, yes. And he's like, why? Get the fuck out. And then when he leaves, he's like, funny story. He wasn't out of tune. It was you, Erickson. But he doesn't know, and that's worse. Um, which is, you know, it's... He, with an iron fist, like I said, at this point in the movie, you're like, it seems like a little much, but I respect that you do what you're doing, man. You know what I mean? Because you can tell by all the students that are used to this. They they're very subservient because they're all looking down. They're all they're ritualistic. Not, yeah, they're not looking at them. They're they're very it's almost like I imagine being like like a, having a very stern military instructor. Sure. Just like, mm -hmm. yes, sir. Yeah. He's like, uh, who's the guy from Full Metal Jacket? I know the actor. Ernie, but what's the character? Uh, it doesn't matter. We, we all know who I'm talking about, right? Yeah. I didn't know they stack shit that high, right? Like that's <laughs> Ernie piles. Something. Yeah. Well, piles, piles is the one that he's giving shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. And this is the obstacles like old people. Fuck. Oh, piles. Yeah. He's Ar the private Ar pile. Army. Yeah. That's it. I, I don't know the actual sergeant's name, but he's like, we looking down for, there isn't a fucking Mars bar down there. Like, I actually like thought that. of Andy when he said that. Cause I was like, Mars bar, <laughs> weird pool. That sounds like, a, well, that's not a fucking Heath bar. We looking down there. And like, I would like someone else in the audience to kind of be like, 
What? <laughs> He's poor suck. <laughs> Get out of here. Um, but yeah, this scene is incredible. And I could see this green lighting a feature film from a short film. I've never seen the short film, but it's, it's fucking incredible. Are you rushing or dragging? And the coolest part about this scene is that I have, I played music for many years. I have no fucking clue. He sounds great every single time. Rushing or, and only until he slapped him did I even understand what he was getting at. Like there was, there is a slight off on the four four time go ahead gabe he was actually on time uh and this is one of fletcher's ways of screwing with him like oh. neiman knows well enough that he's on time he's a good drummer he's a very talented drummer and fletcher in this i think fletcher's just doing this look how easily i can make you doubt yourself look how little i can make you think of yourself like how little your self-confidence is if i tell you you're doing something wrong you're doing it wrong you have to listen to me you have to be like you know uh, you you have to bend at my will. Basically, is is the way I in, interpreted that. So, and and by the way, I couldn't tell that he was in time. I, I've looked far into this movie, and people far more talented at, with music have said that he was in time. Actually, um, initially. Wow, oh, that's really interesting. I, I love I love the scene because shortly before he gets really into Neiman's face about you know the timing and whatnot, they have a break. It's like Squeaker's on next, and so they go in the hallway for a little break before that. And uh, Fletcher meets Neiman in the hallway. He's like, "Hey, man, go have fun out there. You're gonna have a great mm-hmm. time." Well, uh, and he's like asking him a little bit about his history, just so he can like get ammunition later to mm-hmm. tear yeah, him. That's down. why mommy left mm-hmm. you. Yeah, like he's, right. he's he's asking about his life under this veneer of like, "Oh, I'm just a cool, the cool college uh, composer con- uh, mm-hmm. con- conductor." conductor and uh you know i'm just here for you buddy what, what about your life and then really he's just trying to get ammunition to just fucking tear him down and like that whole scene he's asking him he still looks like a predator stalking prey like he literally puts his hand on the wall and kind of corners mm-hmm. neiman against the wall and he mm-hmm. looks it's very he's he's a very intimidating person i mean it's jk simmons who's like way he's, too, he's way too jack for a man his age it's yeah <laughs> like the way he looks physically is so perfect for the character because jk simmons he's bald he's jacked he's he's wearing these tight shirts he and he's got that like Simon Cowell from from American Idol superhero suit, like the black yes. shirt. Yeah, it, he just he just looks <laughs> right. like a man who is so um, he's all about the detail and the nitty gritty, like in his own personal life. So when that, that really comes through with his character when he starts like he walks in the room kids. when the second hand hits 9 a.m. Yeah, exactly. like, like, like he's outside with his watch, like uh-uh, I'll get an extra <laughs> second of me, baby. Not yet. They're not going to see me. I like to early. picture him being like 13 minutes early, though, like fuck and this, just standing there. This, <laughs> this class isn't my boyfriend's dick. I ain't coming early. No, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. Um, and yeah, in that scene, he says, like, you're here for a reason. And say it. He's like, yeah, I'm here for a reason. And like uh, Gabe was saying, like, you, you can see like the joy reflected when he gets that approval. Yeah, please. Um, please. And he absolutely and it makes Paul Reiser's character so much more tragic. Like he sees the father figure in this guy when he has a much better father at home that just wants to eat raisinets and popcorn. But he doesn't respect his father. So Mm -hmm. it means nothing from him to get his love. Right. He's not Eugene O'Neill. Yeah, exactly. Um, Because he's a writer. And and oh, God, this movie's got so many fucking good details. Mm -hmm. Because at first when he says, what does your dad do? He says he's a writer. He's a public school, a high school teacher. That's what he is. That's the answer. Mm-hmm. But his dad's a failed writer, uh, presumably, right? Like failed in his estimation, right? He mm-hmm. doesn't make his only living from writing and win Nebula Awards for science fiction and stuff. I like to assume Paul Reiser's science science fiction writer. Oh, you know, you know he would be. <laughs> so from his son, like he's, he wants his dad to be an artist. And but you know what I mean? So he's disappointed in his own father. Um, God, that's a good detail. Just came to me. Sorry. <laughs> but this is also the scene that Steve pointed out is when he tells him the story about Charlie Parker, I believe. Right. I love that he tells the story like, you know, he never he became bird because 
because someone, you know, Joe threw a symbol at his head. So he spent the rest of his life throwing symbols at random people's heads. Yeah. Just to see if he can make a Charlie Parker. Well, it's like, um, w- in this case, the- a chair. Yes. <laughs> yeah. What, what was, was it a chair? It? I could never actually figure out it what it was. I've looked back so many times. It was a chair. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So in, in a way, like he's a lot like Neiman, like Neiman has this, uh, this hero, Buddy Rich that he, you know, reads all of his books. He listens to his music all the time. I think the Joe, whatever that threw the chair at Charlie Parker and turned him into bird. Like that is Fletcher's hero. And he's like, I can be that guy. If I, if, if I, Drive, drive people the way this guy did. Maybe I can have a Charlie Parker too. And so he's very much in the same boat. He's just like many generations older, but he just has this jazz hero that he's aspiring to. It just mm. happens to be he's aspiring to be an abuser that gets, you know, some greatness out of something. Sure. And that's the irony too, is that ultimately in the world stage, Fletcher ain't shit. Yeah. And so it's like, you want to talk about greatness. You're, you're the symbol thrower at best. <laughs> what are you doing, man? But so we get this, uh, what we were talking about before the, uh, infamous, are you rushing or are you dragging scene? And we see how much of an abuser he really is. And he says, start counting in four and then start slapping him in the face, physically like, assaulting him on his yeah, first day. Like, am yeah. I rushing or am I dragging? And he's like, I don't know. He's like, well, count again. And then he starts smacking him again, and smacking him in time <laughs> <laughs> or no, slightly off time. Uh, show him he, yeah. He's rushing. You don't yeah. know the difference. <laughs> so fuck you, you like a pig. He says <laughs> yeah. you can count once he says that he's rushing um and the cinematography in the scene is beautiful because like he keeps getting closer when he's saying like not quite my tempo not my, quite my tempo you're rushing a little bit you're dragging a little bit uh simmons is more and more imposing the camera's looking up at him and then like when it's cutting back uh the 180 towards miles teller the camera's getting closer it's getting shakier it's like you yeah. can see that he's falling apart at the drum kit and uh we get the uh awesome like are you upset are you are you a double fucking or are you one of those single tier people? Uh, do I look like a double fucking rainbow to you? And then I'm upset. He starts having him yell. I'm upset. I'm I, upset. Me and Chris quote that all the time. Just like I'm upset. I'm upset. <laughs> I love that line. It's terrible. But are, are you one of those single tier motherfuckers? <laughs> I love it, man. Um, it's such a good scene. And well, another detail I picked up for the first time this time is that the I forget, I'm trying to find his name. He's the the core drummer in studio band prior to Neiman Tanner, oh. Tanner, Tanner, Tanner. If you notice throughout all of this rushing or dragon, I loved uh, Gabe's detail about how he's actually on time the entire time because they're also uh, what's the word gaslit and, and brainwashed that Tanner is behind him. Like mm-hmm, rushing, Like you can see him like mm-hmm. fucking Russian bro for yeah, sure. He's right. and, like, and he, you know, he doesn't know that cause it's not true. So he's just so indoctrinated and being like, don't hit me. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, he's probably glad the, uh, the eye of Sauron, not looking at him for once. Yes. <laughs> in this scene in particular, uh, I feel like going back I, I, at the end, I couldn't realize, you know, why am I so stressed out? Obviously it was a stressful scene with him physically assaulting or Fletcher physically assaulting Neiman. But looking at that scene in, 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 from the beginning, when Neiman wakes up late, it's like you get these stressful moments that are then you give a break. You give like a moment of relief where, you know, Neiman wakes up late. You know, he's, he's, he's late. You're stressed out. He gets the realizes at nine. Okay. Class at nine. You can relax. Well then waits until nine students start coming in. I remember what it was like you know, being a first day of a scary class and students coming in, you start to feel stressed out. Um, people are walking around and feel relaxed. Then all of a sudden Fletcher walks in stressed out. He freaks out at somebody. Then there's the break and he subverts expectations by being nice to Neiman. And then, when Neiman comes back in, 
starts playing. He says, oh, we have the next buddy rich here right before throwing a chair at his head. So like, it's like, not only does he subverting the expectations of, of Neiman, the character, but as an audience member, you know, he was building up this tension without me even realizing it because he was giving me these little breaks of relief mm-hmm. in between those heightened points of, of stress. It really is a masterclass in like developing tension and like giving the audience these slight breaks. Like it's kind of like in horror films, you often have a lot of comedy in them because you need to like kind of get pull back a little bit from the audience and stop scaring them for a second. So then it's that much scarier when you start doing it again. And I think that uh, Damien Giselle's doing that with the tension in this sequence. Yeah, you're absolutely right it, about that. It reminds me of Darren Aronofsky in films like uh, The Wrestler or Black Swan amped up a bit, but like the visceral, like especially when his fingers start bleeding in the next scene from his drum practice. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to me that Chazelle's never done that since, really, because La La Land is it's, it's got some heavy themes that are very similar, but much lighter than Whiplash. Yeah. And First Man is is light years different. LOL on the space reference. <laughs> um, I see what you did there. So it's just nice. interesting to me that he has that ability. And I hope Babylon uh, Babylon is more like that. Um, but it's in, in this scene, uh, J.K. Simmons uh, mimed the slap for several takes. They pretended to he pretended to slap Neiman. Uh, and then Miles Teller and J.K. Simmons decided to slap for real. Oh, uh, and cool. that final take is the one that's in the film. So he's really slapping the shit out of him there. Interesting. To good. Good. Yes. Because it's good. Miles Teller. It's Miles Teller slapping. I'm <laughs> <laughs> about that scene actually is uh, um, in that 14 minute uh, short film. Um, Fletcher, when he says, I'm going to F you like a pig. He actually didn't say that when they were filming the full feature length movie, which was actually how long does it normally take for a your average film to be shot? I really don't know. This one was shot in 17 days. Is that pretty, pretty That's fast? fast. For Very a fast. Yeah. It is fast, but it, it depends on what type of movie yeah. you're shooting. A movie like this that doesn't have like any, if any special effects, if anything, like it could take that quickly. I don't see that. Not if just there, that, but almost no, there's only like three locations that I could count. I think mm-hmm. the, the, the longest sure. part was probably, there was probably a lot of pre-production uh, with the bands practicing and learning their sheet music mm-hmm. and all that stuff. But the actual filming right. was that short. Of yeah. Time. The, the principal photography typically takes, uh, would you say, I would say 30 to 90 days would be the yeah. average. Yeah. Um, well, that's incredible. You know, it's in, in, in fact, uh, to Tom, Tom Cross's credit, he actually took the audio of, of Fletcher saying, I'm going to F you like a pig and put it into the actual full released film. And and because uh, Fletcher wouldn't actually say that. And I thought that was a really interesting uh, tidbit that he pulled. And I'm and from an editing standpoint, it or it's what do you mean? Where did he get the audio? The audio is from the 14 minute uh, 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 short. I wonder, like, as an actor, do you think, you know, J.K. Simmons is like pissed? About, I mean, obviously, I think he won awards for it. He's probably happy with the, the final product, but he won know, is that 47 awards, told? actually. Did he really? <laughs> yeah. Holy shit. 47 awards for his role as Fletcher. Wow. Dang. But so what was the question? Do you think he's happy with? Well, well, I guess in terms of like as an editor, like Steve, so like if you're editing something and, and you were to take, you know, something that wasn't even said on set, do, would they have had to like ask J.K. Simmons for that? Do you think that J.K. Simmons first found out that he dropped an F-bomb or said that really vulgar phrase um, when he first watched the film for the first time. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they did not ask him to do that just because they already have the recording yeah. of him saying it. And so at that point, once you're in the editing bay, it just becomes more of like, what is the director wanting now? It, they, sure. th- yeah. I mean, an editor's an yeah. editor's job, a lot of people think it's just cutting, you know, v- uh, clips and putting them together. But really an a important aspect of an editor's job is to accentuate 
actors' performances. Mm-hmm. You have to like make sure the actors look good with what they're doing, and you don't because you can make a really great actor look stupid in the editing floor, depending on how you edit a movie, like Kenobi. Just like maybe like a total idiot right now if you wanted to when you release this. (laughs) Yeah, like I'm gonna just cut all the words you said to say to where it says I know movies good, and And that's the only line you say. What'd you say, Gabe? I I know know movies movies good. good. (laughs) (laughs) Sound loud. (laughs) I could see where he he could be upset because there are actors who are like, no, 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 I didn't put that into my character. I, I thought really hard, and I and. But that that just happens in, in in situations like this, where once a movie gets to the editing bay, rarely do the actors have any real say with what they're doing in there. Yeah, sometimes they're not in the movie at all. Yeah. At, at, you know, they end up on the cutting room floor. So, like, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't. He won an Oscar, didn't he, for best supporting actor for this movie? I can't say for sure. I want to say so. Uh, yeah, 2015 best supporting actor, J.K. Simmons. So yeah, he totally won. My How man. cool is that? Super uh, cool. It's also the uh, lowest gro- one of the lowest grossing films of all time to be nominated for best picture. Oh. So like that year was nominated, but nobody went to the theater. They were all like, what? What's that? <laughs> they got whiplash when they heard of this movie. Wow. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so um, after the uh, the short film that occurs in the middle of this movie, the um, the, the scene finally cuts away and we see Neiman uh, sitting, looking morose uh, amongst all of his drummer paraphernalia. And we get a very important <laughs> but short scene where he gets a call from his dad that he doesn't answer. And he instead uh, goes and starts practicing a just whole bunch. Neglecting his family for his craft. And he got blisters on his fingers. Just like Ringo says at the end of that track <laughs> of the Beatles song. I always just think of Yes Man when he's playing guitar. I got blisters on my fingers. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm just trying to get some songs on the album. <laughs> so Miles Teller was an actual drummer. He's been playing since he was 15, but he had to learn how to jazz drum. I know enough about music to know that they hold their sticks differently. It's a little strange mm-hmm. the way that they, they jiggle that right stick there. So uh, <laughs> he had to learn how to do that, but he's actually uh, a very good drummer. And uh, all of the, well, like a 50% of the music in the movie is actually Miles Teller drumming which is pretty incredible because that's some crazy sounding drum shit. That is yeah. incredible. There's a lot of practical music in his movies. I know that Ryan Gosling learned like the crazy piano parts mm-hmm. for uh, La La Land. And actually Miles Teller was supposed to play that part. And when they got Ryan Gosling, they're like, sorry, he's so much more charming than you. <laughs> sorry. It's the goss. Uh, it's the goss. You're going to have to wait a couple more years till Top Gun to become a sex icon. <laughs> sorry, Miles Teller. Yeah. He has like a way less punchable face. Grow that mustache. Grow that mustache. <laughs> We're going to have the summer of the goose, baby. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. I'm so excited to be sponsored by BetterHelp because we here on Streaming Things have been big advocates of mental health and therapy for a long time, but we haven't known how to incorporate it into the show because it's something you have to be really responsible about. I'm actually in the mental health field and have been looking for a therapist for quite some time, but have been unable to find one. Every time I find a therapist that I connect with, they're either not accepting new patients or they're scheduling so far out. And my willingness to treat my mental health is so low that I just let it go by and don't think about it again for a while because that's how my life is structured. Sometimes I try to solve my own problems with my own mind. But when your mind is the problem, that's hard to do. So I'm so excited to be working with better help. BetterHelp is awesome. If you're thinking about giving therapy a try, it works perfectly. It's convenient. It's accessible. It's all online. It's very affordable. And they help pair you with a therapist that can suit your needs after filling out a brief survey. And you can switch therapists at any time when you want to be a better problem solver. Therapy can get you there. 
Visit BetterHelp.com slash streaming things today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash streaming things. Uh, so this is where we get the uh, date with Nicole and they go and get pizza. And Neiman says that he loves the music that they're playing and tells him, you know, he says that so-and-so is playing the drums, 1938. And they talk about school. And uh, she, uh, Nicole says that she's going to this school. I can't remember what it was called. but she, Fordham. Fordham. And she's like, she doesn't know what she's going to study. She she just went there because that's the school that accepted her. Mm-hmm. She's trying to figure herself out. And you can tell that uh, he's like super put off by that. And she's like, well, why are you, why are you why are going your to school? And he's like, it's the, the best, best school best ever. Music school in the country. And, you know, it gets super duper tense until uh, she says that she's uh, kind of homesick and she feels like people don't really like her and he kind of comes clean and he's like I still watch movies with my dad like there is still some humanity left in him he's not just like this total ice machine yet but um, so you, you the, are you saying he's not an ice man yet he's oh <laughs> <laughs> that was another Top Gun there. reference <laughs> um, yeah so the date even though it got tense because of uh you, what do you what do you mean you don't aspire to be something incredible uh it did take a turn for the better and you can tell that there might be a second date um so then we cut to the first Schaefer performance um and the uh he lets the band know that the Lincoln Center is going to be watching this is where they decide if there's anybody that they care about that they might bring bring on to I guess Lincoln Center is like its own performance group or something yeah I imagine they're like Sports scouts are in the audience sometimes or whatever. Right? And then there's like this, the little like uh, um, helper guy that's there to be like, hey, you're on in five minutes. And he's like, get the fuck away from me. And he's like, I can still fucking see you. Many. <laughs> that's what I mean. Like, he's obviously abusive, but it, because it's J.K. Simmons, stuff like that is funny to me. <laughs> and I am and I'm sorry if that's wrong, but it, it's, it reminds me of some of Jonah Hill's characters in movies like War Dogs and Wolf of Wall Street. Like they're saying terrible things, but it's like. It's funny. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny, right? <laughs> it's not funny if you do it in real life. I thought it was funny. Well, <laughs> I think that's part of it too. Like when you, whenever you, I mean, in a way, I think that's it, an interesting point you make because throughout your life, and I, I can speak, I was bullied, you know, and, 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 and other people oftentimes go along with, you know, laughing with that. It's almost like, like is someone is so aggressive that people go along with it and laugh with it just so that they don't become a target. And, and I almost feel like as an audience member, some of the things like I, I just find it funny, even though you know, maybe it's a I don't know, morbid sense of humor. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I in, you know, you have to wonder, you know, J.K. Simmons does get a lot of reinforcement for, for his behavior, too. You know, no one ever really stands up to him aside from Neiman. Yeah, that is interesting. You feel kind of complicit in it, even though you're just watching it to be entertained. The fact that it's kind that it that you are entertained is kind of disquieting, you know? Sure. Um, So um, uh, when he is talking to the band and they're prepping for the show, he makes a point of uh, the next time I find one of these fucking folders laying around, you're out of the band, whoever you are. Chekhov's folder. Chekhov's folder. So they uh, do the first half of the performance and uh, after there's like a little intermission and the uh, drummer um, Tanner uh, asks Neiman to hold on to his folder for a second. Neiman sets it on a chair for a split second and goes to get a soft drink. And then uh, when uh, he turns around, that folder is now missing. Tanner shows up. He says, hey, let me get that folder. And he's like, oh, it was just right here. And Tanner loses his goddamn mind. He's like, you lost the fucking folder. You fucking shitting me. And then we hear uh, Jakey Simmons in the background being like, Tanner, come here. 
Tim, come here, honey. Because J.K. Simmons <laughs> took it, right? You know, I was going to say that. We all agree that J.K. Uh, Fletcher stole the folder when he wasn't looking on purpose, right? That's right. Yeah, that's what yeah. you want to take away. To manufacture this situation, you know, mm-hmm. to, to manipulate uh, um, uh, Neiman, essentially. Yeah. Well, and not just that, but Tanner says... Uh, I need, I can't play. I, I need the sheet music. And he says, you know, I can't I have the medical. Can, so he knew that this would result in Neiman having to show what he could do on stage, mm-hmm. um, which is weird. I, I was thinking about this because there's this. And then the final scene, there's at least twice. Uh, and the, the second time at the end is to get revenge against Neiman. He, it's a weird way of doing that. Like he's very ballsy in the sense that like he risks his own career to test and or humiliate Neiman on several occasions in this film, just like it's on a live important production during a contest. And mm-hmm. he's just trying to test the kid out. Right. Such is the faith that he has in Neiman's talent. I suppose you could see it that way, but I think it's weird. I don't think that he, he doesn't have, I don't think it's that uh, what you just said, uh, Andy is, is, is that he doesn't have faith in his career. I, I think that he just, his ultimate goal is to get the next Charlie Parker, right? So he's going to do that at any means necessary, just like Neiman at any means necessary is going to become the next bird. Um, so I, I feel like he doesn't care about his career. He's going to do whatever it takes. Buck Schaefer conservatory. Yeah. At one point he literally is like the be here at 6am the, or arrive early or don't, I don't care. Like he just like, you can yeah, tell he just right. does not really give a shit about the institution he works for. He only cares about the music and making this next, uh, savant, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And right. I do think it's kind of messed up that he, he fucks over a poor dude with a medical condition who needs sheet music to play, who might be like this incredible performer, but because he has this medical condition, he's like, ah, fuck that guy. I, yeah. I need someone who can play things off memory. Like, yeah. And, um, my, and but, my read on yeah. that too, is that Tanner's great to you and I, but he's no Charlie Parker and he's never going to be. And no, Fletcher sure. knows that. Right. For so sure. He's like, eh, whatever. But you know what he could have done this whole time? He could have just said, Hey Tanner, well, you're sitting second. You're sitting second. today." <laughs> <laughs> but then he wouldn't have had that dramatic pressure, you know, for, to see what Neiman's going to do. What he could have done is been a good teacher is what you're saying, Steve. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anywho. Um, so, uh, Neiman fills in, uh, for the second half of the performance and Schaefer wins the competition. Um, and, uh, we cut to the next, uh, practice at Schaefer Academy and, uh, uh, don't touch my sheets, kid. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody in there's like, everybody's pissed at him. Don't touch my sheets. Tanner's like, don't you dare touch these fucking drums. And then when Fletcher comes in, he said he doesn't, he never fires Tanner. He just says like, no, Tanner, uh, it's just core musicians today. Mm. And just like, as if, you, oh, you didn't get the memo. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. Such right. a dick move. Yeah. And, and the hurt on that guy's face. No, we fixed the oh, glitch. Yeah. So he won't be getting paid anymore. <laughs> a little office space reference. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. And, uh, you know, Tanner's heartbroken, but you can see a smirk on uh, Andrew's face. Uh, like he, he just got a promotion. He's pretty sto- stoked about it. Um, we uh, get this other little um, kind of small moment like the phone call that he ignores from his dad uh he's dry, he's riding on a bus after this and he's watching a video of somebody drumming and he gets a text from nicole who's saying like hey can i stop by when you get home and he doesn't answer it he, he there's just like kind of a look of annoyance on his face um, he's trying to watch the drumming yeah, yeah she interrupted her his jazz time that made me feel bad because uh my wife loves me to death and I love her so much. Mm-hmm. She's, I, she, <laughs> she calls me a lot. Like she has this tendency, like as soon as I, I leave the house, I'll get a couple blocks away and I'll have a phone call. 
And it'll be her wanting to bring it, strike up a conversation, you know, and nine times out of 10, I'm like, you know, Hey honey, what's up? But every now and then I'll be like editing a TikTok video or like working on something for streaming things or something, you know, and like the, the way that that software works is that it's completely fucked now that somebody's tried to call, you know, so I have to start over. And so I'm like, yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, and I, again, I think that there's a lot of myself I see in this character, which is why watching this movie is extra uncomfortable for me. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I, I get like, I, I hate to even admit this on air, but like, there's a part of me that's like, you know, I want to publish novels. I want to make films. I want to travel the, the world and be invited to movie premieres and have the best goddamn podcast anybody's ever seen. <laughs> the Charlie Parker podcast. And like my wife's just like, Hey, let me go find a symbol to throw you, you know, has really no aspirations of any of that kind. And so there's a, there's a part of me sometimes that's an asshole. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I'm doing shit. Who cares what we have for dinner? You know? Um, yeah. Don't be a dick, man. Figure out what mm-hmm. that makes me, I gotta go guys. um so this uh we can skip over the scene this is the dinner with uh dad and uh presumably like uncle and cousins yeah it's like a thanksgiving vibe for some reason but yeah um one thing i we didn't talk about earlier though is they they all call him andy oh yeah and i think he prefers to go by andrew and i think that's another like really cool little detail that he's like stop right you know diminishing me yeah, cause I'm I'm bird. Mm-hmm. Call me Charlie. You know. <laughs> Do you? Th- what would you think would would have been like instead if if instead of Doctor Owens, you know, he he had a, a different doctor from Stranger Things as a dad? Do you think they would have teamed joined forces with Fletcher instead? You have to be the best uh, d- drummer ever, and he would have helped. Uh, <laughs> push him towards that uh dr brenner would have uh, i'm a big proponent of making sure all of my subjects are the best they can be whether that's through mind powers or the the jazz hands we all know marty b likes to cool off at every day with some light jazz he turns on the bird and he does a little sachet in his carpet on his carpet Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I love Paul Reiser. We hang out in the Nina all the time. Mm-hmm. That's true. <laughs> Sometimes I throw a symbol at him. <laughs> How do you feel about raisinets and popcorn, Dr. Brenner? Disgusting. Mm. I like to keep my snacks separate. That's true. Separate but equal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yes. Right. Okay. <laughs> Do you mix the salt and the butter and the popcorn all together in your mouth too? Or no, yeah, well, yeah. I, I mean, I have a little cup of butter and a little packet of salt, and I take one kernel at a time. I dip it in the butter, I dip it in the salt, and you have a great snack. <laughs> Why is everyone looking at me like I'm the asshole? <laughs> well, always good to have your input, Doctor Brenner. Thank you very much. Andy, I'll see you later. Take it away. Um, so after that dinner scene, we cut back to practice, and this is where um, Fletcher shows up, and he says, "Hey, I uh, brought this other guy. He's going to try out some of the drum parts." too this is Connolly, and it's that fucking douchebag that was in the shitty band and andrew's like who the fuck are you and it's like he's just trying out he he was practicing his uh double time swing and he's pretty good at it just so you know johnny utah mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and he gave him the sheet music a day early or that morning or something so he gave him extra time to practice Right. Yeah. 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 And, uh, Neiman can't keep up with, with the part. And so he's getting, getting replaced. It feels like. And so this is like a last straw for him and the distractions that he has in, in his life. So this is where we get that super fucked up scene where he breaks up with Nicole, like a super prick. And yeah. he's basically just like, Hey, look, I'm going to be an asshole to you. I don't give a shit about anything and I don't want to be distracted. And so you're going to ask me to stop playing drums. And I'm going to kind of resent you for that. And I'm going to do it anyway. And so we mm-hmm. probably just shouldn't hang out. It's terrible, but, and this is, you know, the Connolly, the Connolly thing is a trick, right? Like he's never going to use 
this kid is nothing as compared to Neiman's skill. And so he admits as much later on. It's all manipulation by Fletcher. But I love that essentially the put the place that it puts Neiman in is like, Oh my God, I could be, and what he wants them to feel like is you have to work even harder than what you're doing now. You can be replaced at any time. You never know when there's somebody better around the corner, blah, 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 blah. Right. And, and Neiman already is obsessed with drumming. It's all he ever does. So he looks around at his life. Like I don't have any friends. Like what can I cut out to practice more? Oh, I guess the two hours a week that I'm spending with my girlfriend, you know what I mean? Like that's literally, he already doesn't sleep much. He doesn't have a job. Like he doesn't have any friends, uh, no other hobbies. So I, it's so sad. It's almost like a horror movie, like you all mm-hmm. said, but mm-hmm. I, I love this scene. Like his brain scrambles for what else he could, I could stop showering. No, I can't do that. You know? Um, and so. she calls him out like a normal person. Like, so you want to be great and you can't do that because I'm, going to distract you and I'm you know worthless and I don't have any drive. And he's like, that's exactly my point. She's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. I love that. She gives him an opportunity to like rephrase things. Uh-huh, yeah. And he just doubles down instead because he's so self-obsessed. Like, yeah. Oh yes, you understood exactly. Thank God. That's time. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Why are you still here? Yeah. <laughs> um, and so we cut back to uh, him practicing like a madman and he, uh, you can tell he's starting to come loose at the seams and like he, Punches through the drum head and shit. Coming and loose at the seams. I love that. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and so, like yeah. Your boyfriend's dick, Steve. I don't come late. <laughs> <laughs> so then we cut to uh, Fletcher uh, coming in and putting on some music. And he uh, says that there used to be a, uh, a student of his about six years ago uh, who his name was Sean Casey, who uh, he basically became great. He got invited to the Lincoln Center as a third chair. Within a year, he was first chair, and you're listening to him now. Uh, I found out last night that he died in a car crash. Um, that was the phone call that he got when Neiman was blowing up about Connolly, I presume. Is right? it? Oh, okay. That's what I think, because he storms into his office. Yeah, I think so, too. And he says, not right now. Yeah. You know, so. Okay. Right. Okay. Um, we find out later that Sean Casey did not, the, the Reds player, and did not die in a car crash. <laughs> no. I think that was an interesting scene as well, because it shows that uh, Fletcher, I, I think this really kind of hammers home the point that Fletcher doesn't, I don't think he so much cares about the individual. Like, I don't think he truly cares about Sean Casey. He cares about what Sean Casey is capable of doing. The music's dead now. Like, yeah. he, he's listening to this exactly. music crying because he's like, that person who made that can't make anything else. And that's, he, he's like sad that the world has been robbed of this talent and not so much this person. Yeah. No, not that the mother was robbed of her son and so on and so forth. Right. It's also an interesting, I don't know, we're running late on time, but it's interesting that he lies and says it was a car accident. It's mm-hmm. almost like that's an admission of some level of guilt, right? Mm-hmm. Just to, to obfuscate the fact that it was suicide oh, yeah. has to mm-hmm. be. So he's aware that what he's doing is too much for most people and still does not care. I, I would be my interpretation. Mm-hmm. Or maybe he maybe he does care because when he finds out the news and he and then immediately um, Andrew goes in there to like confront him about the the scene they're in. He's like, not now, not now. Yeah, almost, the game almost, that we're always playing is over for a minute. Yeah, because maybe he like maybe there's that one little piece of him that's like, oh, fuck, I do have something to do with this. I don't want to be I don't want to face what I'm doing with you currently. Yeah. Um, but obviously he gets over that rather quickly. Yeah, very, but, very yeah. much so. I, I think it's interesting how he mentions. Yeah, he was in a car crash and then foreshadowing uh, later soon, very soon later in this movie. Uh, Neiman has the car accident and you would think that a teacher who just had a traumatic event cried over a student that died in a car crash would have a little bit more concern for Neiman when something similar happened to him. 
we come to find out that it wasn't a car crash that killed the former student, right? But I just oh, thought that was right. also an interesting. That that was that's actually really good, like kind of uh, tying in the same uh, accident as a theme for like, yeah, he. We, we find out why he, he wasn't more concerned about the car crash because it wasn't a car crash at all. He said it was a beautiful player and I just thought you all should know. And mm-hmm. like he gets emotional. He's crying in this scene. Like mm-hmm. it's really good acting. And it's uh, um, I, you, you can tell that he really honestly, truly cares that a, a potential great maybe and he's crying. I think maybe not for the loss of the player, but for the loss of what he almost achieved with that guy. I think maybe yeah. he was on the path. Mm-hmm. That's, that's pretty, yeah. pretty cool way to look at that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then we get, uh, in the practicing, uh, Neiman gets another shot. There's a drum part that none of the, uh, drummers seem to be able to, uh, play. It's too fast for them. And he says, you know what? We're going to stay here all fucking night until we find one of these drummers that can do it. You guys take five, take 10, take a fucking hour. We'll figure it out. And they're there until two in the morning. Um, when did they start? I didn't see the clock when they started. It showed 11, but I think the implication showing 11 was that they had already been doing it for a while. Um, 11 p.m. So after it uh, had been a while, it was three hours after that where mm-hmm. finally Neiman, I guess, did it. I don't know. It seemed like they were all kind of just hitting shit as fast as they could, not actually playing anything. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, that's where we get uh, Neiman. You earn the spot and uh, alternates uh, clean the blood off of my drum kit. And I, mean, I love that. I love that, too. Clean the blood off my fucking drum kit. I, I <laughs> Even though I threw the, the what was that? The Tom? He, he, uh, yeah, floor Tom. Yeah. I, I, I feel bad for, uh, Andrew and all of them really, but part of it makes me feel even worse when like, he's like, Neiman, you're in the spot. All right, everyone practice can begin. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Now he's got these mangled fingers. And they have to do what they were going to do. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if this is supposed to be the day before the performance. I think so. Cause he says, uh, performance five o'clock or call time, five o'clock. Doesn't he say that at the end of this scene? It's implied that it's right after, I think. Yeah. So they travel to wherever it is that, uh, my note just says car accident but they travel to wherever it is that the performance is happening andrew gets there and he says where are the cabs and they're like well you have to call a cab so i don't understand what he well, thought was going i think the bus, bus broke down the bus yeah. broke down yep. and so he doesn't end up where he's supposed to be oh yeah gotcha, gotcha. and then right. he's gonna get a cab and there so he has to rent a car he's late he leaves his drumsticks at the car rental place because because um fletcher tells him to, to leave two hours in advance to give them enough time so you're under the impression that he did that but even but he keeps running into yeah, all these it was roadblocks n- nothing that makes him even more late nothing he did wrong to be late to this uh right performance is what's kind of you know sad about mm-hmm. the whole scenario and you know all of his uh bandmates are calling him where the fuck are you you know it's about to start we're supposed to get on stage soon and uh, he walks in almost late but not quite and realizes he doesn't have his drumsticks yeah. he's already been replaced because fletcher's a dick for no reason and yes one of the other there's plenty of drumsticks in that building but you have to have your drumsticks here uh you know or you're gonna be off the team forever right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's cool. He kind of like stands up to him a little bit. He's like, no, that's my fucking part. And he's like, no, that's my part that I loaned to you. And he's like, no, I earned that shit. Runs, get the, gets the drums. Yeah. These or gets the sticks toward the end. The third act of this film, he stands up to Fletcher a lot, but to do what Fletcher wants. Yeah. Yeah. And from the reverse end, it's like Fletcher seems offended that he's not treating him like a God anymore. But it's also like exactly what he intended. Like, I want you to be your own man. I want you to know that you're a fucking. So it's it's a weird, you know what I mean? They almost. Yeah, yeah. And that's why the ending, it's almost again an evil way. Like Steve said, it's the devil, you know, the two devils you know, uniting or whatever. But at the end, it's 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 kind of God, I don't want to say that word, but there's a part of it that's like a, 
a, a success, mm-hmm. a successful ending because they're both like on the same level now. Like we've made, you know, we made our choice like that. It's almost satisfying to me as, as shitty as it is. Like the, it, the music does sound fucking, yeah, it does sound fucking incredible. I like that they're getting along. Everybody else is jamming. And it was his dream. Yeah. Go ahead, know? Gabe. Well, I think too, to that point, throughout this conversation, we've talked, you know, at, w- at what point are you sac- is is you're, the sacrifice you're making, at what point is it too much, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I think the, the real question is, uh, at what point is the sacrifice for that particular individual too much? Because, you know, for Neiman, you know, if any of us had been in the same position, it, it, it would have been far too much for sacrifice. I would have never sacrificed, you know, my wife or my family or mm-hmm. all the other things in my life that I love for my career and my passion. Um, but for Neiman, it could have been totally worth it. And I think the sad part is Neiman's dad, honestly, just watching him lose his son like mm-hmm. that. Um, so in a way it kind of is a happy ending for Neiman and Fletcher, but it's sad how they got there. It's kind of disturbing how they got there because yeah. at what cost, right? But they don't care about the cost. Yeah. It's fucking jazz. Like it's a sad ending for everybody <laughs> except for those two. Well, <laughs> obviously you're, um, the jazz parts irrelevant, right? Like we're, we're talking about the achieving of uh, the, the pursuit of greatness in general is the point of the film. Yeah, but no, I know. I, <laughs> hey, drum I found it. thingies. Um, it's obviously a psychotic level of pursuit of his goal though. Right. Mm-hmm. The, the car wreck, that's where the movie is just goes bonkers. He flips mm-hmm. his car over and then limps like three blocks to the, mm-hmm. to the ensemble. Leaves his car. Yeah. Just <laughs> well, the Could rental. You imagine it's a rental. <laughs> yeah. It's a rental. Fuck <laughs> it, man. They'll get it. I left the keys in there. It's not even mine. He's, um, it's going to be so much. Money. And the fact that Fletcher lets him sit down and play is psychotic because he's covered in blood. Like everybody in the audience, you know, like everything's wrong about this. And the fact that then Fletcher just gets angry with him for dropping his sticks and fucking up the song, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and Neiman realizes this is absurd and snaps. It just tackles him on the yeah. stage and starts pummeling him, you know, like, what do you mean? Well, I just want to know, like from the perspective of the people, the, 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 judges that were in front of them like from their position this kid comes in limp and bloody mess and then the instructor says something to him and turns around and goes ladies and gentlemen i'm so sorry this piece of shit came on stage (laughs) see we really try to strive for greatness here but this sack of shit over here is pulling his weight couldn't even clean the blood off before you walked in here it's not what we do at schaefer we always know he's fighting me now (laughs) and we taught him to fight better too Okay, Simmons, but they just have wigs on and like a hat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, crazy, crazy scene. Um, and I, when I was watching it this morning, it's a lot. I thought it was a lot closer to the end than yeah. it in fact was. I thought there was a couple minutes left, but there was like 20 something, I think. Mm-hmm. So we cut to from here. Uh, he tells Neiman on stage, you're done. He get, he attacks him. We cut to, I don't know if it's a dean, a lawyer, a guidance counselor, somebody, somebody that looks very important. It's a lawyer. In a business suit. Um is says uh, that Sean, have you ever heard of Sean Casey? Uh, well, he didn't die in a car crash. He hanged himself. And like her, his parents aren't wealthy. They don't want to press charges, but they want to make sure that uh, Fletcher can't do this to anybody ever again. And he at first is like defending Fletcher. He's like, mm-hmm. he didn't do anything wrong. And like, who the fuck's this Sean Casey guy? He could have been great. He wasn't. Um, we cut to, it's kind of intercut um, this sequence with the lawyer and then uh, Neiman getting a letter saying that he's been dismissed from Schaefer. Um, initially defending him and then uh he throws out all of his drum paraphernalia you can tell that he uh, after getting thrown out of school has kind of given up on the dream and he uh tells the lawyer just tell me tell me what to say yeah um, what do you want me to say 
And uh, so I guess in that agrees to testify. And so it's, this is our dark night of the soul moment. Uh, we get a, uh, um, a title card or whatever, a setting card that pops up and it just says summer, which I thought was really interesting because the only other one that we got was fall semester mm -hmm. um, at the start of the movie that I can recall anyway. Yeah. Um, and so we see that it's summer now. Or so maybe we, five, six months have passed. Well, if you, if it was the beginning of the year, maybe like that's, September a couple and then, months and then now it's so that's yeah it might be eight nine months yeah um so we see him he has a job at like a deli or something for a split second uh we see he's house sitting for his dad who has filled the cupboard with gushers which was very kind of him I thought that was that was Neiman's apartment yeah I thought he got his own apartment his dad came oh, over with his dad he's house sitting no his dad brought no. him some candy and oh, you know, stopped okay. his son's apartment pantry and he, he knows that he likes Gushers because he misses his little boy and his little boy used to like Gushers. My, My boy. boy. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, so then Neiman's wandering the streets uh, with a piece of pizza. And uh, man, I relate to this hard. Just wandering <laughs> the streets at night with pizza in hand. And uh, he passes a poster somewhere that says something about the JVC uh, uh, Jazz Festival. It's going to happen. Happens upon a jazz club where uh, there's some people playing with special guest Terrence Fletcher. Ooh, and so that's the guy. And we find out that Fletcher tickles them ivories. He was tickling some ivories. I, uh, another again, I don't know much about jazz. Before Gabe gets to speak, I want to say, did anyone else get it? Maybe Gabe's want to mention this. Isn't it ironic that what Fletcher's playing is like really cheesy, smooth, mellow jazz <laughs> that Miles could play in his fucking sleep? And he's or not Miles, but uh, uh, Neiman. Go ahead, Gabe. He's actually playing a piano version of the same song. I think it's the same song that he played that uh, his his student played oh uh, sean casey uh, guy really I, yeah I, I yeah i think i think it's uh sean i i think i could be wrong i i think there's something about that i, I know the, that the song that he's playing on the piano is a callback to something else. And I, I'm pretty sure it's, it's the same trumpet solo that, that, that he was playing. I, right, interesting. That. That's headcanon yeah. for me now, because yeah, like the idea guy. that he's kind of like cheap cheating off of the greatness that he almost helped this other guy achieve. Like that's, oh, I didn't even think about like it a, like that. You know, I was thinking like, Oh, he's sad. And there's an homage to this great trumpet. No. Yeah. This is like, Oh, this is great stuff. I couldn't have come up with this myself. You know, this guy only came up with it because I abused him to come up with it. Yeah. Wow. Mine now. <laughs> Mine now. I would have thought of it as a tribute well but that's an interesting <laughs> that's a good take yeah he did we up uh, um, so they sit and talk at the bar and uh he basically admits that he uh he intentionally pushes people beyond their limits and uh that he never had a charlie parker but he tried and uh he's never going to apologize for that um and uh he invites neiman to uh the jazz festival he said that he's opening the festival with some pros and that the uh drummer just isn't cutting it if you're picking up what i'm saying and he means like we're gonna be playing whiplash caravan stuff like that <laughs> all the stuff you happen to know all the hits all the hits so baby we, we need a drummer that really knows the charts um and then once again like this uh Gabe totally called this out, like the little bit of satisfaction from uh, from Fletcher. And then he calls up Nicole again and he's like trying to reconnect and said, hey, it's been a while. I just wanted to apologize. Also, I'm going to be playing in this festival thing. Would you guys would you maybe want to uh, come and hang out and we can eat pizza and complain about our schools again, which he's not in a school anymore. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> I like, thought about that. I'm mostly complaining the fact that they expelled me. But uh, how's yours going? <laughs> how's yours going? 
And she says, I don't know. I'll have to ask my boyfriend. Oh. I don't know. He likes jazz. What you a see, like subtle see, letdown. You see that, Andrew? Off in the distance? It's the train you missed. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Seriously. I love this uh, turn because it would have been gross if she'd have been like, Totes. Sure. Let me come see you play. Like I would have watched you play jazz. The thing you left me for. Yeah, I would have hated if Nicole hated herself enough to go to that fucking concert. And what a douchebag thing to do in your apology. Like, Hey, I was wondering if you come over and give me a hand job maybe or something, you know, like, (laughs) yeah. What are you doing right now, bro? Like she doesn't, I can't believe she answered much less come see you play jazz. You are such a douche. You know that thing I broke up for you for? Do you want to come watch me do that? That'd be pretty cool. But I, I just thought it was a great characterization of how he's still not having an arc, right? He's not, mm-hmm. com- he's not getting better. That, well, that, that's why him and Fletcher are the perfect couple. Indeed. I indeed. Mean, I mean, it is mm-hmm. truly. And, and in that scene, when, when Fletcher's is sitting at the bar, he says, that, you know, no words more harmful in the English language than good job. Oh, yes. And uh, th- you know, th- that's him in those two words, that sentence is him justifying all those things that I did. If I would have told you a good job, every time you actually did a good job, you wouldn't have worked as hard as you did. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, He's one of the Fletcher's one of those guys on Facebook ranting about participation trophies. <laughs> Honestly, seriously. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Uh, you know what I wish had happened is if that scene had happened in the movie theater again. And if she again said, I need you to leave. Need you to leave. Yeah. And, and he laughed oh. and she meant it. Yeah. Uh, that, that would have been a wonderful callback. That would be a textbook bookend. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he goes to the show, um, that he is playing at and, um, uh, Fletcher kind of confronts him and says, I know it was you. Do you think I am fucking stupid? And uh, Neiman sits down at the kit and uh, uh, Fletcher turns and talks to the audience. And he says, we're uh, we're going to be playing a couple of tunes for you. But first, we're going to play an original. And Neiman's sitting there. Upswinging. uh, is it called upswinging Up, uptown swing yep. upswinging upswingin'. upswinging he's sitting there with the music for caravan and whiplash like uh what the fuck flips through his sheet music there ain't no upswinging there and so he tries to there's a uh, lot of downswings for him here. oh well yeah. I, I guess there's a very important uh pep talk that uh fletcher gives before they go out and he says uh you know this these people can make your career but also they don't forget so if you shit the bed out there then you know you're you might be looking at a different career and so he knows this when he, he's trying to end him in the city, which is like the, the city of cities for what he's trying to do. You yeah. Know, so, um, and so we get, uh, a very poor improvised performance from Neiman trying to play to a song that is very complicated and that he does not know. I like that he tries though. That, yeah, for sure. And like the uh, bassist next to him is like, what the fuck you doing, man? Come on, man. <laughs> but he does about better than any one of us could. You're playing whiplash. <laughs> <laughs> Wink at the camera. <laughs> and so, uh, a- after the song's <laughs> over, uh, he has very obviously shit the bed there. Uh, the subtitles, I always listen to subtitles or watch movies with subtitles cause I'm deaf, but it says, uh, audience applauds weekly. And <laughs> yeah. The, yeah, they're uh, like, that wasn't good. Yeah. That so wasn't good. He, he pretty clearly uh, did poorly there. Do you think that, that Fletcher in doing this was just so angry at Neiman that he didn't care and he was trying to humiliate him? Or at this point, do you think he was just doing, I, I, I'm going to try and one last ditch effort to try and elicit greatness out of this person. Cause for me, I thought it was just, he was just trying to humiliate him and ruin his career. Uh, do you think it was just as an aside, he happened to pull out this great solo at the end? My opinion, I think he was trying to ruin him at this point because he, you know, he makes a point of being like, you think I'm fucking stupid, but yeah. I love that more important to his revenge is his uh is his pursuit of a charlie parker a bird and so once the solo happens 
And at first he's like, what the fuck are you doing, man? Cause he's like, you're messing with me mm-hmm. now, but then into it, he's like, holy shit, this is good. Yeah. And he all saves the symbol from falling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like the way yeah. that the light, there's only a spotlight on uh, the two of them. And it's like, somebody pointed out earlier that it's kind of dutched up at, um, Fletcher and like it's, and then they do the whip pans, you know, it's mm-hmm. fucking great. That's a good scene. Um, yeah, well, he had also had that conversation at the bar with Neiman and they talked about, uh, Charlie Parker and, you know, he, uh, Andrew asked, you know, is there a line, you, you know, could you discourage the next Charlie Parker? And he says, no, the next Charlie Parker would never be discouraged. Right. And so mm-hmm. in a way, maybe he was doing this to see like, you know, it, I, I am either going to ruin him or I'm going to make him. And this sure. is the moment that I'm going to do oh, it. Yeah. Um, and right. so I guess maybe it's just kind of like, a, you know, go along with whatever happens. And in this case, uh, so Andrew uh, does not know the part. He he gets off stage and walks away and his dad sees what's going on and hugs know, him. He runs to go be a father. And, yeah. and I love that that the dad one even went to the performance, like even though he knows that his son's playing with his abuser and shit, but to that he ran to uh, go be supportive of him. And we get uh, Fletcher in the background. You can hear him saying there was a bit more avant-garde than uh, we had planned and yada yada from the rhythm section. And, uh, <laughs> and so then Neiman uh, hugs his dad and then his dad says, come on, let's go home. And Neiman's like, uh, uh-uh, uh, and, uh, like backs away from his dad and goes back out on stage. I did want to point out, there was this really cool lighting thing that they did during the performance with, uh, when Fletcher's playing upswinging and Neiman doesn't know the part, there's, uh, like this cool blue lighting that's happening. And then, um, when uh at the end of the song the the lighting changes to like this yellow and it's reminiscent of the yellows that they've been using in the practice rooms and so it was like him getting the upper hand again um like to put him back into his element as far as like the color temperature is concerned i thought was pretty cool yeah um but so uh neiman goes back out on stage sits back down at the drums and uh, in the middle of Fletcher introducing the next song, Neiman just breaks into what I assume is Whiplash. It is Whiplash. Yeah. Okay. So he. Or no, I'm sorry. It's Caravan. It's Caravan. I'm Caravan. Sorry. Caravan. Because right, right. yeah. he he starts to play and then he. I'll cue you in. Tells the bassist, "I'll Caravan. I'll cue you in." And he goes three, four. Yeah. <laughs> and the bass player's like, yeah, I know. Well, they're all extreme professionals. So yeah. Yeah. And I'd so, be like, wait, do it again. <laughs> <laughs> Actually I'm leaving. I was go ready. hang out with Nicole. I wasn't ready. <laughs> Cause I got goals, baby. No, I, I so uh, we've talked a bunch about this scene so far, but I just want to like chime in that this, this ending scene with the performance of caravan is so captivating and mm-hmm. literally it, it's just, a guy playing the drums real, real hard. And then <laughs> everyone else is kind of watching him do it. And when you put that out on paper, you're just kind of like, how do you make that engaging to play, yeah. to watch as a viewer? But really the, the editing, the cinematography, the performances, the music is just so on another, on another level, like everything's firing on all cylinders. And like the, the, we talked about the whip pans that are going between him and Fletcher. There's the, the tight close-ups of the different instruments when they would come in, you would get sweeping tracking shots when, Oh, it's the horns are playing now. So you get this cool, quick sweep yeah. across them. I love this one shot. It's the bones, a, baby, the bones. It's, it's a, it's a portrait or it's a, a side shot of trumpets, but it's a really quick slide where it starts off with the fingers and then it's quickly just ramps down to the end of the trumpet. Like it's just mm-hmm. like a shot. That's maybe 10 frames long maybe, but it's, it's, I just love that shit. And they really do such a great job of like, even though what's happening is kind of tragic, you're kind of just 
spellbound by what's happening. So in, in just a brief, it's a moment. You're like, Oh, I get what they're trying to achieve. Yeah. These two characters, even though this is kind of fucked up their relationship and what they're putting each other through and what they're sacrificing for. This is amazing. Right. Mm -hmm. It's I'm with you, man. I'm with you. And it's, uh, and again, like everybody's juxtaposed against the, all of that is spelled out on Paul Reiser's face, his dad, right? Because he looks they're horrified, but also he's in awe. Like, yeah. holy shit, he can do that. You know, that's yeah. what he's been doing all this time. Because he we, plays drums. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought he played trombone. It's like the. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just it, it makes me think of I don't know if you guys have seen the GIF from Futurama uh, with the the, the snoo snoo stuff where they're looking in like horror and like amazement at the same time. But like, yeah, I think like snoo snoo <laughs> death by. <laughs> it's so interesting how and i think chris i think you mentioned you don't like jazz music right correct correct okay so but you love this movie and and i think that's one of the awesome things about this movie is 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 you know on, on the surface if you tell someone yeah it's a movie about a jazz drummer they may not have any interest in it but it's not about the music at all but the oh, music yeah. can still captivate you and 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 i found that fascinating it actually kind of revived my love for jazz music when i first watched it Mm -hmm. And it's, I don't think, let me say it this way. I have like a weird thing for movies about greatness. Cause that's the thing I've been obsessed with my whole life is I, I, I like the story of the man who has a singular mind and uh, cause I'm an obsessive person by nature. And so I like, I prefer when they have a nice family and a, a balance to it as well at the end of the film. But <laughs> that's why I love sports movies, even though I, I'm not, I don't care about sports because it's it's it, they're always about underdogs playing against the odds and having a singular driven focused mind and achieving a goal and that I am into I don't know I never realized that a fact about myself until just now that that's why I do love sports movies so much but I think it's the same thing like um yeah so it's a good narrative of watching someone sacrifice something for a goal that they believe in Yes. It's, it's fun to watch. Yeah. yeah. This is like, you know, there's a Rocky element to all of these films. Even Whiplash has that, you know, where you kind of, it's just a dark version of it. Like what was Rocky sacrificing to be punching all that meat? What about his friends? You know, <laughs> yeah. punching all that meat. There was a, so this is a little side story. Um, during the pandemic, uh, my job, we kind of transitioned into doing a lot of live streaming stuff and we got a contract from this local school, this local music school, and they were doing a jazz concert that they were live streaming. And so they had all the musicians like several feet apart from another and they were wearing masks except for the woodwinds. Oh, like a giant zoom room of like, jazz musicians. And I was manning this like we had multiple cameras that were set up and I was manning the switchboards cutting between the different camera angles of the, of the musicians. And it was a concert. Mm -hmm. You can go on Facebook live and watch. Mm -hmm. And at one point the conductor's like, all right, now we I'll will fuck you like a pig. <laughs> 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 no, imagine the complete opposite of uh, JK Simmons where he's like, okay, well today we're going to play uh caravan. I don't know. Yeah. And so when he said that I perked up like, Oh, that's the song at the end of, whiplash hell yeah this is gonna be great and you know what i kind of understand fletcher a little bit better now because the whole time i was like mm, not my tempo <laughs> <laughs> uh, and but and the other maddening thing because it's jazz they're like we have 30 different instruments playing right now right now this song that's normally five minutes is going to be 30 because we're going to give all those people solos. Each one of them gets to improvise. And half of them, I was, well, 
two thirds of them, I was like, they don't need a solo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we can move on to the other ones. Yeah. Next. Um, but this is basically the end of the movie. Uh, as far as like, um, uh, like Steve described, it was a captivating, just jazz performance on stage. And, um, but as far as the characters are concerned, you uh, see kind of a mutual respect between uh, Neiman and Fletcher. Uh, Fletcher's pissed as shit. And he says, like, I'll ga- gouge your eyes out or something when Neiman first comes out yeah. and starts playing the drums. Neiman mouths fuck you to him right, right. when he starts. Yeah. <laughs> they, uh, they crush it. And then uh, and Fletcher was like happy with the performance that they did of Caravan. But then Neiman keeps going and he goes into this uh, drum solo and Neiman or Fletcher comes up to him. He's like, what are you doing, man? Like, we, yeah. you, you already did it. But then he goes into this insane I'll cue you. solo and yeah, he says, I'll cue you. And you can see like the change in Fletcher's face where he's like, oh, my God, this I, is a yardbird moment. I got my Charlie Parker. And I love it when he gets really into it. He's like, I got to take my jacket off. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. is too damn good. When he gets into it, he's like, yeah, he's like, yeah, give it to me more. Give uh-huh. it to me raw. Give it to me wriggling. Like, <laughs> he's like, quiet it down, quiet it down, quiet it down. Bring it up, bring it up, bring it up. Yeah. <laughs> like that's the most engaged he's been as a conductor. Yeah. Um, and then that's it. He uh, cues in the rest of the band and they. And Neiman sitting there contented and alone. The end. Uh, a couple of interesting trivia tidbits uh, that I think are, I think are interesting. So when they're arguing about the lost music folder in the hallway and you said that uh, J.K. Simmons or somebody shouts Tanner, you know, come back in here. And it sounded almost too sweet to be the character of Fletcher. That's actually director Damien Chazelle's voice. Oh, uh, he's just yelling really? Tanner. Um, also, uh, J.K. Simmons has a degree in music that he earned at the University of Montana. And we said earlier that the, the whole film was shot in uh, 19 days, I think is what IMDb says. But it was edited and submitted into Sundance and shot in 10 weeks. So it only took them another like seven weeks to edit and True. send this in. This, that's crazy. That's insane. Oh. So what are we doing with our lives? Can, right? <laughs> can make a right. whole feature film. Every single scene in this movie contains Miles Teller, which is also kind of interesting. Um, that is interesting. And one last thing. I thought this was really good. So. Andrew, the character of Andrew uh, Neiman is obsessed with Buddy Rich. We talked about that. Buddy Rich was very famously and notoriously verbally and physically abusive to his bandmates. So it's a little like character foreshadowing. If you know anything about jazz, that he's going to be more accepting of uh, Fletcher's style. Also, ironically, Buddy Rich had no formal music training and famously never practiced. (laughs) So that's just kind of ironic, I guess. But any that's all I got. There was one last thing I wanted to say about the movie, and I think it kind of is about ambition. And I feel like in today's society, ambition, I think, is looked at too frequently as too positive of a thing because I think too much Mm -hmm. of anything is negative. Right. And I think too much ambition causes self-destruction in some cases. And I think there's only very particular people who can survive that sort of abuse like Neiman, like um, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan. And for normal people that have normal brains, you know, that's, that's not possible. And, and I think that, you know, with social media and, you know, constantly seeing news feeds of, you know, everybody else's lives look better than they really are. It's kind of, you're seeing the highlight film of everybody. And, and I think it's uh, an, an interesting dialogue on, on really at what point is ambition too much? You know, is it really okay to like, you know, 
I've got here. I'm, I should be happy with where I am, you know, and, and that's just the last main thing I've been thinking about the last couple of days because I was been, as I, as I was waiting to speak with you guys about that, because, you know, I never really thought of ambition as a negative thing, but I think it can be. Oh, for sure. Like, like you said, anything in, in too much abundance is negative for you. Like too much water will hurt you, you know, and we're <laughs> mm-hmm. 90% of that. So like, yeah, at 91, too much, too much. Yeah. Let's call it off. <laughs> no, I, mean, I agree. Especially like American, like, you know, rise and grind culture Absolutely. Um, is, is very toxic. And, and you mentioned Michael Jordan a lot. I think, again, I'm not a big sports guy, but I've, I like documentaries and I'm pretty sure it's well known that he was an asshole. Uh, mm-hmm. and a, a gambling addict and a womanizer and a pretty rude to most other people. Cause he viewed himself as just accurately so much better than everyone around him. Right. That mm-hmm. it didn't exactly. warrant even being kind. I don't know. I think Kobe Bryant's supposedly supposed to be a pretty nice guy actually, but I don't know any, anything about his, his personal personality or anything, but yeah. So it's funny you mentioned him a lot because I think, you know, the same could be said about him, you know, but was it worth it? A lot of people's sneakers would tell you yes. So <laughs> Uh, Gabe, wonderful choice of film for us to talk about. Thank you so much for, for supporting the show and for joining us here today. I think you have a beautiful voice for podcasting. Uh, and, uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm dreading listening to it, uh, because I don't like the sound of my own voice. No, and, uh, you have that. Like, do you guys ever get used to that? Do you ever get used to it? Is that why Wait, it, you do who says I'm begging you to watch the show? Is that Steve or Andy that always says that? <laughs> Steve. I think it's me. Oh, Steve always says that. Okay. okay. I'd say that yeah, too, Andy. Like- <laughs> <laughs> That's Steve. Yeah. I, I, I honestly, my semi-professional opinion i think you have a great voice for this agreed you have that like intellectual quality that um film spotting has and they, they do have a professional radio show so i could not believe when you actually messaged me i didn't even think that i would you know i just am happy to support you guys i didn't think i'd actually be you know on the show but thank you for for supporting me too i mean you support i think all of your listeners yeah we're here for you you know and i uh i just i love the community that you're that you're fostering here and i i'm excited to see where you guys go in the future and i'll be your biggest cheerleader here on the sidelines (laughs) (laughs) oh thanks man we hope all of you enjoyed listening to that as much as we enjoyed being a part of it thank you so much to gabe for joining us what a wonderful guest He's absolutely amazing. There's a reason why we call him a case to patron saint of streaming things. Mm-hmm. He literally is. And we're he, so lucky that our first uh, patron guest, our patron saint, uh, was technically inclined. And so while we're struggling to figure out things, how to make this work, he's like, oh, right click this and increase my gain there. And Yeah, not only that, but like lucky that he was so well spoken and, and mm-hmm. put so much effort into the movie discussion beforehand and prep time. And so many things could have gone wrong just from a technical standpoint and we had so much we didn't have to worry about. So yeah, he made it easy for us and he not only be on the technical side, but on the episode side, he was very easy to talk to. And I just enjoyed, I I enjoy Gabe so much and gave me some really good advice on my wife's teeth. (laughs) Yeah. Cause he's a dentist. It's going to sound weird if you don't know that. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if the dentist part came up in the whiplash discussion. So yes, he's a dentist guys. Uh, that was, that was, that was fucking awesome. Uh, you can uh, be a part of stuff like that. If you so choose by coming, going to patreon.com slash streaming things, there's various rewards like that. 
uh, just depending on, depending on which tier you sign up for. Mm-hmm. You can also email the show. We encourage that at streamingthingspod at gmail.com. You can follow the show on Twitter at streamthingpod because streaming things was taken at streamthingpod. You can follow me, Chris, on Twitter at movies are therapy and Steve. Steve May 13, and baby. Andy. Andy most days. Thank you so much to all of you who listen and uh, enjoy the show and take part in this discussion with us. We can't thank you enough. That's all the time we have for right now. My name is Chris. I'm Andy. And I'm Steve. And this was Streaming Things. Happy streaming. Well, we're doing patron shout outs differently this time, guys. We're going to do them once a month and this recording will last the entire month. But in this month, we will go over the new patrons that sign up for the month and also the patrons who upgraded their tiers that month as well. Mm. Are you excited to find out the cool people that did such a thing? I'm very excited. All right. So let me introduce to you our brand new patrons for the Try Before You Deny tier. It's Aaron Layton and Crystal Trujillo. Hi, friends. In the Marty P VIP tier, it's Josh and Anna. Marty B. What did I say? Marty P. Oh, Marty B. Excuse me. (laughs) How fucking dare you? (laughs) I've been here for how long and you miss me? You don't know my name. The entire time, sir. You've given me a terrible wound. What if Marty B's like a Marty P, man? (laughs) (laughs) Well, our new chocolate pudding producers, we have Alex Fisher, Brittany Deck, Ember Psycho. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I'm surely not. Probably not, man. Jen L, Jess R, Mandy Spears, Shannon Myers and Zach Suthers. Thank you all so much. Thank you, friends. Thanks for Chachos. And our final new patron in the Friends Don't Lie tier, we have Colin P. Frost. Thank you, Colleen. Another P, man. Thank you so much. The up now we go into the upgrade. The road less traveled, man. These are the people that gave us money before, and we thought, hey, what about more money for these guys? Because mm, they're just so giving and full of mirth, 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 all of it. Uh, these people upgraded to the try before you deny tier. Try before you deny, man. Andrew Gray, Jen Robinson, Casey McCain, John Collins, Kalisha Reeves, Kate, Kiki, and Will Nash. Thank you, guys. Thanks, guys. And then these people upgraded to the Marty B VIP section. Thank you, A. Wells, Adam Horn, Adam Raymond, R.K. Shenanigans, Barb, Caleb Jeter, Carmelita Valdez-McCoy. I love saying your name fully, <laughs> Carmelita, because it's so cool. Uh, Chloe Richardson, Cindy Miller-Ray, Elizabeth Hull. Elizabeth Hubbard, Enza, Jimmy Gad, John Madden, like the John Madden. Isn't he dead? Uh, yes. Well, they we thought, dead, but we he's thought, on the cover of Madden 23. And now he's here to write X's and circles over footage of football players. Thank you, Jadinglage. Thank you, Jadinglage Morgus. Thank you, Katie Blair. Kayla Higgins. It's me. The French Oak. Thank you, Lisa L., Marcus Mills, Michelle Moore, Nick Nolte, Nicole Cassis, Paula Garcia, Sean Callahan, Stephanie Pagalis, Suzanne Road, and Sydney Day. Thank you all so much. Thank you. Merci beaucoup. And good night.